We celebrate you. Welcome to Lofty Heights Christian Center, a ministry that exists to raise kingdom influencers. As a church, we emphasize three things. The Word, the integrity of it and its ability to transform, the Holy Spirit, His power and demonstration of the same, and love. Love for God, for yourself, and for others. You are about to experience God's undiluted Word from God's servant. Get ready for a transformation. Chapter 14. We stopped at chapter 14. The gods have come to us, come down to us in the likeness of men. Hallelujah, glory to God. Before I proceed further tonight, is there anyone in the auditorium who has one question or another require clarity? Or you just want to share very briefly about your Biblio experience? Anybody? Just lift up your hand if you want to. You've got a question. Um, whatever to share on Biblio. Question on all that's been shared in the past. Anyone? Okay, so nobody, right? Amen. Brother Tyler, are you, are you thinking? Yes. Okay, you're thinking. Okay, pass him the microphone. I knew he would have something to say. Celebrate, Brother Tyler. All right. Um, I'd just like to say that I've never really gone through the Bible before. So being a part of this ministry, I celebrate you, sir, for leading celebrate us through this too. book. Uh, or through the Bible, and um, just like to say that the overview has given me an understanding of the coming of Christ, Amen. the future that came in the New Testament here, and um, it's given me a desire to dive into it. Amen. So I'm I'm just grateful to be a part of it. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, sir. Hallelujah. Celebrate Jesus. So very quickly, let's delve into, or dive rather into um, Acts chapter number fifteen. <clears throat> So in Acts chapter number 15, what you would find would be um, some form of um, brohaha or conflict over circumcision. <clears throat> circumcision is the um, taking off or the removal of the foreskin of a male genital. And um, according to the laws of Moses, based on the you know, tenant and the commandments the Lord gave them, every male child must be circumcised. Okay. It's a mark of um, covenant, honor, or regard, you know, for the Lord. But the Gentiles, they're not like that. So you'd find the discussions and the conflict that arose, you know, as a result of that. But I don't think there is any need for us to really dwell, you know, over there. When you go down to verse number 36 of Acts chapter number 15, you would see yet again, you know, the division between um, Paul and Barnabas. Hallelujah. Don't forget that in earlier chapter, the Lord had commanded them to separate Saul then and Barnabas, you know, unto him for the works, you know, for which he had called them. And Bible says, after hands were laid upon them, they sent both of them out. So um, Paul and Barnabas, they became a pair right? Going everywhere, preaching the gospel, healing the people, performing miracles and wonders in the name of the Lord. But some things happened, you know, in the process. You'd remember also that it was after the death of Stephen or the martyrdom of Stephen that the gospel, you know, exploded because there, were, there, were, there was persecution, 
you know, in Jerusalem. So the, the, the disciples, they went elter-skater. Everyone was running, you know, for their lives. Even though they went away running for their lives, anywhere they found themselves, they were extending and preaching the gospel. That was the first outbreak, you know, of the gospel. And I explained this to us when we took that particular side. So this time around, you're about to see yet another um, conflict. I mean, conflict was the first response to outbreak of the gospel. So you are to see yet right now, <clears throat> excuse me, again, another conflict, you know, that happened, you know, in those days. And this time around, it was between Paul and his partner, Barnabas. Chapter verse 36 of Acts, chapter number 15. <clears throat> Bible says, then, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord <clears throat> and see how they are doing. 37 says, now Barnabas was, this, was determined to take with them John called Mark. <clears throat> but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So simply put, Paul said, let's go check up on all the cities we visited. Let's go check on how the brethren then, there are doing. So Barnabas said, I want to take along, let's take along with us, John, you know, also, you know, called Mark. But Paul said, no. See, the guy didn't follow us all around. So why should we take him along? Hallelujah. But Paul insisted, you know, verse 38 says, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to, to, to the work. Then this contention became so sharp. Now that word sharp was telling you they had, simply put, very heated argument. And don't forget, these are spirit-filled, <laughs> miracle-working believers. Hallelujah. Disciples, apostles. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. The contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. They parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Then Bepaw chose Silas and departed, being commanded, I mean, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening, you know, the churches. And so that conflict again you know, led to a greater outbreak, you know, of, of the gospel. And you see, till this day, you still find things like this very, very prevalent. That's the reason why, you know, in some places, you'd find, like a church like ours, for example, let's say Brother Damilaro Yedili, for example, um, tomorrow, it feels that um, pastor is not, you know, honoring him enough, or discountenancing the grace of God upon his life. And maybe he has looked at him, Sister Mommy, for example, and then feels like, well, she's a perfect fit for a mommy Gio. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. You know, perfect fit for a pastor's wife. So they'll just break off. So they are breaking off from Lofty High Christian Center. Then they may just say, well, because I've also invested in Lofty High, I've served there and all of that, and all of that. So their own name they can be, Lofty Height Gospel Christian Center. <laughs> or Lofty Height Apostolic Ministry. I'm sure you all understand what I'm trying to say. 
people break out, right? And they'll pick a name of the denomination they were part of, you know, before, and just tweak a little thing there, you know, and, and again, major churches that you still find in existence today, the Catholic Church, the Anglicans, okay? You have several versions of the Anglicans. For the Catholic, too, you have, you have the Protestant, you have non, I mean, charismatic, non-charismatic. To the apostolic, you have Christ Apostolic Church, you have the Apostolic Church, you have a new apostolic church. You understand what I'm saying? So, all these things, they've always been there, even from the beginning. But it's important for us to always check ourselves, you know, and ask yourself, you know, very simple and very pertinent question. Are you sending yourself, or is God the one sending you? Hallelujah. So then, when did they want to start Lofty Heights, Gospel, International? Will your church have international in between it? Okay, so maybe they will put inter international, you know, in between their own. So Lofty Heights, Gospel, International, Ministry. Then they will go a step further and then begin to speak to some of you in church too and say, hey, um, like um, Tenny, for example, she, the brother Damilari plays the keyboard, right? Tenny sings. So they will take him along. They will go and form their own his expressions. They will not call it his expressions. They will call it the glory of his expressions. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm just joking. But you all understand the point I'm trying to make. So you find all of all these things. These things don't make God happy. All right? So it's important that the God that we serve is a God of order. All right? Things have to be done the way they should be done. And when they're going to be done, they should be done, you know, very well. Hallelujah. So in chapter number 16, chapter number 16 of the book of Acts, I'm going to touch on that very briefly. And the reason is because I'm still going to, so that when we get to the book of Timothy, you would understand a little bit better. Chapter number 16 from verse number 1. Bible then says, Then he came to Dabi and Lystra, that was Paul. Then he came to Dabi and Lystra, and behold, Media, could you please power on this um, confidence screen? Thank you. Then he came to Dabi and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there, named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed. But his father was Greek. You'd remember, oh, glory to God. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Okay, so don't let me digress. I wanted to touch on that prophecy earlier on. I'm trying to, I'm beginning to then connect the dot. You would remember that Paul said to Timothy that the faith, which was also in your grandmother, Lois, hallelujah, you know, and that was also, which was also found, you know, in your own mother, Eunice. Am I right? Right? You know, he's also, has also, you know, been imparted, you know, into you. So Bible says, named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. It was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. What do you think made Paul to circumcise Timothy? Anybody? Anybody? Come on, give me a response. The response was even, yes, Brother Deoloa. Um, he wanted him to, he wanted to con consecrate him for the what he was about to do as an apostle. He wanted to consecrate him, um, 
Okay? Any other person? We're not moving forward if no one is talking. Brother Tyler? Uh, to basically um, present him to the Jewish believers there, that he was now a Jew. Principally, that was why. Because he knew that when they move on, the Jewish believers, they would revolt and say, look at him. He's even, because Timothy's father, the Bible says, was a Greek. Okay, so technically speaking, or simply speaking rather, a Gentile, not uncircumcised. At that point, Timothy, Bible scholar says, he was about 16 years old. 16 years old. But Paul had to do that, and the reason why he did that is very, very simple. If our Bible further explain it here, Bible says Paul wanted to have him gone with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. For they all knew that his father was Greek. So when they see Timothy with Paul, they knew who Timothy's father was, and they were query, say, this is how much you, you know, um, desecrated um, the Lord's um, tenant. Is that how much terrible thing you know you've done? So he needed to, you know, to prove something against that. But the question then be becomes: Would um, the Jews, um, the Jews, um, the, the the Jews, would they then, you know, have Timothy go into a private place and check if indeed he was circumcised or he was not circumcised? Okay, so let's leave that discussion aside. Let's move on. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep which were determined by the apostles and the elders of Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Now, this chapter number 16 is extremely very, very important for us to keep in mind because it gives you an intro into everything that Paul then did, you know, in the life of Timothy, plus the letters that he wrote to Timothy, Timothy 1 and Timothy 2. Amen. Let's see verse number 16 of Acts chapter number 16 so that we can truly finish this. Bible says, Now it happened as we went to prayer, there is a certain slave girl possessed, you know, with a spirit of divination, met us, who brought her master's much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God. I remember I've done a teaching on this scripture before. These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaimed to us the way of salvation, and this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirits, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. He did not say it to the girl. Uh, he did not say it to the girl. You don't blame the player. Uh, you blame the game. <laughs> the girl was the way she was, not because she wanted to. It was because her spirit took over her. And that's the same thing, you know, with people. When people begin to mess up and begin to do nonsense and begin to act as if um, some things, you know, are wrong with them, it's not actually them, okay? It's the spirit that has taken over them, all right? Glory to God. It's the spirit that took over them, hallelujah. In verse number 19, but when a master saw that their hope of profit was gone, what did they do? They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities because their hope of profit was gone. Hallelujah. In verse number 25, you then read again, you know, what happened between Paul and Silas. 
at the middle of the night. Paul and Silas, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God in bondage, in chains. Glory to God. In chains. Media, could you please have this confidence screen up? Or is there, is there is something wrong? Hallelujah. In chains, they were still, you know, and Paul and Silas were still praying, you know, and singing hymns to God. In other words, they were worshiping God. Paul and Silas, they prayed, they sang, and the Holy Ghost came down. Paul and Silas, they prayed, they sang, and the Holy Ghost came down. So you saw that, you know, in that verse number 25 down to verse number 26. Glory to Jesus. Bible says in 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake so, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakened from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoner had, had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. <laughs> because, I mean, you were, you were kept in charge of these guys and now they, they're no longer there. So you will be killed anyway, so you better just kill yourself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, running, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul and Silas, they prayed, they sang, and the Holy Ghost came down. Can you see what, what, what happened? So, you see, Every, the plus, the minus, the good, the bad that came in the ways of the apostles, of the disciples, they used everything towards one channel. The announcement of the name of the Lord. The declaration that Jesus is Lord. The declaration that people truly need to be saved. Acts chapter number 4, verse number 12. For salvation is in no man. For there is no name given under heaven by which a man can be saved. Hallelujah. I, you, you know, when I took the teaching series on transformation, that the gospel series, I said to us that if a, a believer understands that those around you who have not confessed the lordship of Jesus, that if they died, they are going to hellfire, every believer will be more serious about sharing this gospel. But you see, it really doesn't us always think that anyone who's not confessed that Jesus is Lord believed that he died and he rose again. That if they died and they failed to live according to the Lord's will, they would end up, you know, in, in, in the lake of fire. It doesn't hit everybody. Even those who've confessed the Lordship of Jesus, they don't remember this all the time. If only in this world we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. So you see, these things must always sit, you know, in you and with you. And such that when, you know, um, um, environmental issues or physical circumstances are speaking otherwise, you can rejoice uh, in the hope that you have. That after all, this world is not my home. It's not their place. I'm only passing through. I'm on a journey. 
What shall it profit a man to gain the whole world, you know, and lose his soul? So you've got everything, you have everything that you need, but you end up losing your soul. In other words, you end up spending eternity, you know, in the lake of fire. <laughs> Glory to Jesus. Let's move on because of want of time. Let's see John, I mean, Acts chapter number 17, verse number 10. Ministering at Berea. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue. Look, look at it again. After they escaped, they went to um, Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fear-minded than those in, <laughs> in Thessalonica. It says, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So they were super, these guys in Berea, they were super excited, you know, about the teaching and the ministry of the word. So Paul and Silas, you know, coming to them was a huge plus because they've heard stories everywhere. So they were super, you know, happy and attentive to everything that Paul and Silas had to teach. So much such that after Paul and, the, you know, was done teaching them, you know what they would do? Take a look at the scripture. Bible says, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So after Paul and Silas has ministered the word to them, each of them will go in their closet. He told us Jesus is Lord. <clears throat> Let's check. They confirm if he truly. He told us he died and after three days he rose again. He told us about eternal life. They were confirming everything. Bible says, take a look at Bible says in verse number 10, Bible says, then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. 11. Bible says, see how the Bible described them. It says, these were more fear-minded than those in Thess Thess Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So they were growing as a result. This is one of the reasons why I always say to us, you see, you don't come into a Sunday service, for example, or Bible as you're in right now, then you hear the word and you just step out and say you were in church. You've got to hear it again. That's why you need to form that habit. Tuesday, you don't come to church. Or Monday, you don't come to church. Thursday, you don't come to church. Saturday, you don't come to church. Pick any of those days. Maybe Friday. Send it as part of your schedules. A must do for you. Friday afternoon, Friday evening. Just replay, you know, the sermon you last heard. It is the more you hear, the more the works of um, transformation takes place in your life. Not the hearing it of once. See, I've shared with you all before. By God's grace, I bring the word to you all on Sundays. I listen to those words again. To be blessed. I'm telling you the truth. Both services this time around. It doesn't cost. Sometimes when I feel that I do not have, um, you know, the luxury of time or I have some other competing priorities, what I do is I'll fast forward to the point when the word, you know, was being shared. 40 minutes. Just 40 minutes. 40 minutes. You know what I found? When I hear the word, you know, on Spotify, 
it kind of enters my head more than on YouTube. I want you to practice it. Follow Lofty Heart Christian Center on Spotify. On, um, is it Apple, you don't have to shout, shout. I, I know, I heard you and I know what it is. <laughs> Hallelujah, glory to God. <laughs> you know, on Apple Podcast, that's what they call it. So, super braggadocious set of people. Glory to God. You know, um, Google Play, you'd find it. There are tons of sermons there. You are driving to the office, you're driving to work, let me play you are in the kitchen doing um, dishes or, you know, trying to make a meal, leave it playing. Hear it. Then when you are done again, you too go and do your research. Hey, maybe Pastor Tejo has just been lying to us all the while. Let's even confirm that all that he's been teaching us, you know, they've been the truth. That's how a believer grows. That I don't think a believer grows to maturity. No, not even I don't think. I'm certain. No believer would ever grow to maturity just by playing attendance Wednesday service, attendance Sunday service. You can't grow that way. No, no. That, that's, that's one, one, one um, whatever. It's for those who have not come into the full knowledge of Christ. You know, but for somebody like you, it should be something that you thirst after, that you yearn after, that you long for. 40 minutes word administration. Someone had told me also that um, when they want to, you know, worship, have the devotion in their home in the morning, what they do is, they play his expressions ministration for any of the services they choose to, or that they felt were blessed with. And that changes the atmosphere within that environment, and they're able to have a devotion. You can try that. My point is, you cannot grow by just saying you're coming to church on Sunday, you're coming to church on Wednesday. No, you need to do much more than that. Amen. Let's move on. Verse 12 says, therefore many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. 14, then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea, but both Silas and Timothy remained there. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens and receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, then they departed. Now you'd understand why Paul took Timothy along. It's like church planting. He's here. He has shared the word, stayed with them, feasted with them for a couple of days or weeks. He leaves Timothy, um, Timothy and Silas over there. He moves to another place. When that place is fully established, he either picks another prodigy or mentor, I mean, um, um, you know, team over there too, then move them. That was how the gospel, you know, was spread in glory to Jesus. I think we should move very quickly. Addressing the um, Areopagus, verse 22 of chapter number 17. I just want to run through this very quickly. Then I would then take us through um, um, Apollos, you know, and all. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the object of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands, 
as though he needed anything, since he gives his life to all life, breath and all things. 26. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might, hope, they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. 28. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poet have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devices. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man, you see that M in caps, whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, we will hear you again on this matter. 33, so Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined him and believed. Among them, Dionysius, the Arapagite, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Glory to Jesus. So watch his style. He gets to a place, shares the word. They receive it. It stays a little bit there. Then moves. They do not receive it. He packs his stuff. He runs away. He goes elsewhere. Hallelujah. I think I should just um, run a little bit. Um, let's see chapter number 18, verse 24. The ministry of Apollos. Now, a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures. I, I needed to watch out for those keywords. Mighty in the scriptures came to Ephesus. 25 says, This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and been fervent in spirit. You see that that S is not in capital letter. So that's not the Holy Spirit. It was not being fervent in the Holy Spirit. That's his own spirit. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. <laughs> Glory to God. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. He had become, he was already guarding his own team, sharing with them. But the things he was sharing, uh, to him, he was sharing the gospel. But it was the gospel of John the Baptist he was sharing, because that was what he knew. And that was not the gospel. If Jesus is not in the equation, it's not the gospel. The Jesus innate is what makes a goodness. That's the English translation for the Greek word gospel. So Aquila and Priscilla, if you had read the previous you know, verses or chapters, you would have seen that Paul met with them and Paul actually lived or stayed with them. They allowed Paul into their home. So Paul used that opportunity to also teach this couple you know, the truth about God's word. Don't forget no matter how much you try to share the, the word, Jesus must be the center. 
from Genesis to Revelation, Jesus is at the center of the scripture. I told us even when we were in the Old Testament. You see, until you begin to read the book of Genesis, 1 Kings, Nehemiah, um, Chronicles, Esther, all those books, um, Psalms, Ezekiel, Hosea, Obadiah, any book it may be, until you begin to read those books and you begin to see Jesus in them. You've not started catching them out. <laughs> there is no revelation for you yet. Until you begin to see Jesus in the pages of those books, you've not begun to read. You've, you, you must have been reading for entertainment, not for revelation. Because when you read for revelation, you see, in each book, in each chapter, on each verse, on each line, everything points to the man Jesus. So Apollos was doing all that he was doing, and he was doing so very zealously, telling them he was preaching the gospel, right? But it was the gospel of John the Bible. Bible says that was the only thing he knew. So again, listen to this very carefully. If you go to any ministry, any church, and Jesus is not the center of what you're being taught, it's not a place to be. Don't be in a place where calls are not being made for people to accept the lordship of Jesus. You finish a service, there is no call for salvation of soul. How do we know maybe people are receiving the word or not? How do we measure growth? You think it's about um, numerical numbers? Oh, no. Bible says God was adding to them daily as many of them that were being saved. So if you hear any word, if anyone preaches a sermon to you, uh, and Jesus cannot be found in it, dust your feet from that place. If I preach to you how to build a successful career, and I cannot tie it to the life and times of Jesus, I cannot tie it to the scripture. Don't take it. We don't come into God's presence. We don't come into church to be motivated. No. We come in there to become more like Christ. To learn about Elijah's life and times. To have his spirit fully indwell us. And such that by the time we are living, you know, we are, we are living in the fullness of the same power. Glory to Jesus. The things that you have seen and heard. He says, you guys go also and begin to teach others. So, a church can actually pick a message, for example, on very secular and very regular topics. Sometimes we do that in Lofty High, too. But watch it very carefully. It will be tied to the gospel. Glory to Jesus. So, um, in chapter number 19, you saw then how, you know, Paul went on, you know, to have them to be rebaptized. Don't forget, again, that considering the story you just read concerning uh, Apollos, all that they knew was the life and times of John the Baptist. Jesus was not in the equation. So in chapter number 19 from verse number 1, the Bible says, And it happened, while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. <laughs> Can you see that? So Paul then said to them, into what then were you baptized? Then they said, into John's baptism. Hmm. 
Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were baptized in water again. Because the first time it was done, it was not done accurately. That baptism was not baptism in the Holy Ghost. It was baptism by immersion. So Paul actually expected that if of a truth you've heard the gospel, and if of a truth you've been baptized by immersion, you know, and um, you, should have, you should have received the gift of the Spirit. But they were preaching John the Baptist, they were not preaching Jesus. So there was no way the Spirit can come upon them. Then see what Paul then did in verse number 6. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Glory to God. Take a look at verse number 11. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even, even, I love the word even, even, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirit went out of them. The gods have come to us in the likeness of men. That, this is what they are calling that. Hallelujah. Amen. Aprons. And of course, yes, this is where um, we get the use of mantles from. The use of man mantles. This is where we get it from. If I wear a jacket, for example, you know, I mean, uh, if I wear a jacket, for example, of, I've, I've had anything on me before, and I pass that on to you, and you believe that for truth there is grace upon me, whatever I command on that, you know, you'd command. I've had cost to, okay, I believe y'all can still remember Sister Mommy's testimony, for example, you know, where I went to get one of my jackets, you know. Now, that does not mean that when you guys then see me, you then begin to pull cloth off me. No, please don't, don't do that. You know, and, you know, and I, you know, pull that on, 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 on her. Bible says the spirit of just men makes perfect. You know, one of the things I love the most, you know, about the grace of God is that it is transferable. It can be imparted. And that's one of the things that's going to be happening in Festival of Grace, October 15th to 17th. Glory to Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's one of the things that's going to be happening, you know, during Festival of Grace. It's an annual convention where grace is celebrated and grace is imparted for greater exploits. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So I've seen that happen repeatedly. I've had to give, you know, I think there was a time also, even with Sister Peace, what I did, I think I just have her, you know, just hold my hand, you know, and I ministered to her and I told her, I said, go touch that person and that person will be healed. And the person testified that after the touch was done, that she was healed. Glory to Jesus. She even said that all through the night as she went home, her hands remained very hot. Glory to God. I've had instances where I want to anoint someone, for example, and I don't have oil around me, and I pick up anything and just lift it up onto heaven and pray over it, and I give it to the person. I've used water as an anointing oil in the past. If you've seen me sometimes, you know, ministering to the people in the spirit, and um, sometimes I'll pick up water, lift it up onto heaven and declare over it, and begin to sprinkle that, and you see the manifestations of the spirit of God. The Lord is able to use anything. That's why I could say that if you do not have a snack, it's better to have a snack, you know, and a dark current to drink, but if you don't have that and you believe, you can get a cup of water. You see, the spirit does not travel. 
is it's not on a journey. I taught you that during the teaching on the word. The word of the Lord is not traveling to somebody's place, no. The word that I speak to you, their spirit and their life, the moment it altered, instantly it does that which it has to do. Hallelujah, glory. It does not go take a tour, especially this season now when construction is going on everywhere. We will not have to be deterring, you know, because the construction is known. It does not do any of that. Hallelujah. I've, had, I've prayed with people over the phone that I've never met before and commanded healing on them, and the Lord does that. Prophesied over their lives, and it happened. I prayed with people over the phone and I'd say, get a cup of water in your front and let me just share with you. It's the faith, you know, that works. And the words from the servant of the Lord. That's what the Lord honors. Glory to God. So I'm sharing this again to let you understand that this is, um, should be a standard, should be a lifestyle. The supernatural, like I've always taught you, should be the natural experience, you know, of a New Testament believer. Hallelujah. You may want to capture that. The supernatural should be the natural experiences, you know, of a believer. The supernatural should be the natural experiences of a believer. Hallelujah. So in verse number 13 here, he says, Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Glory to God. Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of their house naked and wounded. <clears throat> Listen to this, to this very carefully. Many people desire the authority without wanting a relationship with the author of the authority. And you see, one of the things you must know is that the ability to exercise the authority or the strength to which the authority can be exercised is dependent on the depth of your relationship with the author of the authority. So you want more power? It is in the depth of your relationship uh, that will determine how much you can confer. Don't pursue to have authority to be able to cast out demons. No. That's, 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 that's not serious. Pursue having intimacy with God. Pursue the one who owns the authority. Pursue the one who possesses you know, the, the reservoir, the, the, the owner of the power. That's what you need. So they put up, it says, by the name, not in the name. I taught you a message titled, in the name of Jesus, right? You can go on YouTube or go on all those, you know, podcast platforms and go listen to that message again. In Jesus' name. In case you're under the sound of my voice and you don't know how to pray or why believers pray in the name of Jesus, go watch or listen to the message titled, in Jesus' name. It will bless your life. He did not say in Jesus' name because they didn't know who Jesus was. They were exorcists. He says, by the name of the Jesus that Paul preaches. You see, as you continue to grow in your walk with God, Jesus will become to you much more than the Jesus somebody preached to you. He will become the Jesus that you know. That's where your power is pumped and authority can be exercised. 
Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Because it's in the place of intimacy that you have the temerity to describe Jesus as Abba. And that's the highest form of relationship, of intimacy that you can have with Jesus in the New Testament. There is no greater revelation of the name of Jesus other than that. Abba. I taught you again when I took you the message titled Abba. That message also is on our social media platforms and our YouTube channel. It's titled Abba, you know, intimacy with God. You see, the, the, the name Abba speaks of intimacy much more than just Abba. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Because it's not everyone that can describe Jesus as Abba. It takes a degree of intimacy to be able to do that. So the seven sons of Sceva, the Jewish exorcists, were casting out, you know, in the name of the, by Jesus, you know, whom Paul. Paul, I know. Okay. So, Jesus, I know. Okay, so who are you? Hallelujah. So, very quickly, as I begin to wrap up this book, <clears throat> I'll just go straight to chapter 21. Then I'll touch on chapter number... Uh, yeah, what? Well, Chapter 21. I want to minister a little bit tonight. Chapter 21. Let's see chapter 21 from verse number 7 down to 14 very quickly. Acts chapter number 21, verse 7 down to verse number 14. And when we had finished our voyage from Tyre, we came to Ptolemais, greeted the brethren, and stayed with them one day. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea. Now, let me just quickly ask this. Who wrote this account of the book of Acts? I told you and I taught you. Yes, anybody? No. No, not you. On this side. Who wrote it? Jesus. Um, Each church. Who wrote the account in the book of Acts? If you guys don't give me a response, there will be no e-church again. Go to the live chat room now and go give me a feedback. Look! How can you say you don't know? Look! Acts chapter number one from verse number one, it's there. I explained this when I started. Hallelujah. The former account I wrote to you, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach. Hallelujah. So as you are reading, you need to be saying Luke, you know, and the account, you know, I've told you, if you want to understand the scripture more, you must, you'd have to trigger your imaginative sense. You have to be graphic a little bit about it, you know, to, to, to get some clearer um, details. Hallelujah. You guys, you just let me waste uh, some minutes right now. Let me be fast now. <laughs> Glory to God. And when we had finished, okay, verse number eight. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. You remember Philip? You remember Philip? Now, this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. Verse 10. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt 
and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Twelve. Now, when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Pleaded with now, Paul. Pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Thirteen. Then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. Now, you must have an understanding. Agabus was not a false prophet. You need to go to the early chapters of the book of Acts to see some of his other accounts. When they brought the guys to them, it was the one who said to them, say, leave them. Say, these things they they are doing. If it is of the Lord, it will stand. If it is not of the Lord, after a time, it it will go. So Agabus was not a false prophet. So Paul knew. He would not say the Lord, thus says the Lord, if thus did not say the Lord. You get it? He wouldn't have said that. So he knew. So he was in great danger. He was in great peril. The Bible says when they heard, they, they, they started begging him. Ah, you know, Prophet Agabus has said this. That's the way it's going to be. Please don't go. But rather than him, you know, withdraw. What did he say? He said, why are you weeping and just breaking my What nonsense is all this that you guys are doing? What's the essence of my life if not to die for the sake of the gospel? Let me move on very quickly. There are, I mean, the book is so, is, so, is so full, you know, that there are so many things, you know, to be learned. I wish we could just even go chapter by chapter. But chapter 23, verse 11, it says, But the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also be a witness, you know, at Rome. I'm going somewhere, and I just need you all to just please follow me. As you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so also you'll be, you know, with me, you know, in Rome. you testify of me in Rome. So he did not budge when they told him not to go. He still went on. Let's move on very quickly. I'll just then check. Um, let's see chapter 27. Chapter 27, as he began to journey to, to Rome. Glory to Jesus. I just saw something right now in chapter 26 of verse number 28. I'm sorry. I love the book of Acts, and I'm sure you all know. Chapter 26, verse number 28. I, I'll just read that out. You can go back home, you know, and go study some of these places yourself. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. As a baby Christian, as a baby in the faith, this verse always does something to me. And many times I'd ask myself, can someone also say to me, because of the way I present myself and because of the way I share the gospel, that I'm persuading them to become a Christian? Okay, so let's go. Chapter 27. I'm just going to read from verse number 9 because of time. Chapter 27, verse number 9. Now, when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship. You see, he said he he perceived. He did not feel. I told you before that the Spirit of the Lord is sensed, not felt. 
He's a spirit. How did he know? He perceived. Okay? That's one of the benefits, you know, of having, you know, the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. You know, it just triggers you, prepares your mind, tells you of things to come. You know, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Nothing should actually happen to a believer by an accident. Nothing should. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, oh yeah. But you see, the Lord also in the New Testament does not desire to keep his, um, his, his, um, his, his people, you know, in, in, in the dark. Because that one that does ofofo, the one that reveals deep things unto God, huh? the one that reveals deep things unto God, he now lives inside you. Glory to Jesus. He now lives inside you. The one that tells God, that will say to Jesus, so this is going to happen. The spirit of the Lord. You know, he now lives inside you. If we are super sensitive, there will be some form of premonition, some form of, you may not even get it sometimes. It may be some other people. You know? Hallelujah. I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship. On the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and so they were in a boat, they were in a ship, they were sailing. Now, for you to fully understand this again, imagine, how many of you have watched um, Titanic? Uh -huh. That's how to study the Bible, too. Imagine the Titanic ship. Okay. So on the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. In other words, now we are finished. This ship is going to sink. 21. But after long abstinence, after long, after long, but after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sealed, you know, from preach and incur this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take a heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the sheep. 23. For there stood by me this night an angel of the Lord, of the God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Take a look again back to chapter number... Chapter 23, verse 11. But the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul. For as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also be a witness at Rome. Glory to Jesus. Are you getting it? Let's rise up now. Okay, let me rise up. You, you all can sit down. So I can just begin to bring the service to close. Glory to God. So by the following night, the Lord stood, you know, by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul. For as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also be a witness at Rome. So it was not in Jerusalem, I mean, it was not in um, Rome, right? But the Lord had assured him that the same thing that happened, you know, in Jerusalem was going to happen in Rome. And this is how the Lord, you know, deals with us too sometimes. Let me give us an example. You are not married but the Lord has assured you 
has given you perhaps a word that is going to be blessing you with, with a set of train. Glory to God. Let me, let me break this down a little bit. There is a way a word from the Lord can help you to boost your faith and your confidence in God's ability for what he's about to do. Let me give you another example. You are not in Canada right now. You are not an immigrant yet. You've not landed. But the Lord had revealed to you and a word had come to you that I'm taking you to Canada and you're going to land there and you're still in your home country. I'm saying that even though you are not there yet, but because the Lord has said so that you're going to be there, you can then begin to discountenance all the, whatever thing happening all around you would mean nothing to you. You've not written your medical licensing exam, but the Lord has told you, my daughter, I'm giving you special skill to operate on people as a surgical um, consultant, yet you've not written your medical license you know, exams. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. So that which God, the Lord has promised huh, keeps you rest assured that every other thing is nonsense. It does not matter. Because that which the Lord has promised is greater than whatsoever thing that is happening around you. You get what I'm saying? Okay, you've not gotten a job yet, but the Lord has assured you that career-wise, you're going to be very great. And you know the Lord has said that to you. So while you keep struggling to get a job or get a befitting job, you'd always remember that the end the Lord already sees it. And that's the reason why it's God. So he has given you that word. He, he's not been in Rome. He's not gotten to Rome. So that means that as he was then, as they were journeying to Rome, huh, he knew. See, by the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul. For as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. Meaning that as they were journeying to Rome, it doesn't matter what happens on the journey to Rome. I will get to Rome and I will witness Jesus. Do you all get it? Come on, celebrate Jesus now. So that was what happened, you know, to Paul. That sheep would never sink because of this word that the Lord has given Okay, let me give you another example. Last year, when my wife's health was challenged, and our son came at 29 weeks and five days, and the doctor said, they can't assure me that he's going to leave, that it's going to be a miracle and all of that. You know one of the reasons why I was not miffed? I was not simply because the Lord had revealed the boy to me in a revelation. He had given me words concerning the boy. And I knew that all those things happening in those periods, you know, they do not matter compared to what God had told me about him. And see, what I'm just sharing with you right now, this is a very deep revelation. You know, one of the things this is going to do for you, if you let it sink into you, is that it will let you understand what battles are worth your energies. You know, as Paul was sailing, um, 
to Rome. And as all of all those things were happening, he didn't necessarily have to be fighting and praying and be casting and binding. The Lord would make it good, the word that he has given. So think about your life now for a second. What word has the Lord given you? And have you also allowed the temporal situations or challenges that you are facing, for example, to then, you know, be cloudy or change your sense of reasoning against what the Lord has said to you? Let me give you another example. I usually like, when I teach, I use analogies a lot, examples, so that you can all relate and you can all, you know, be blessed. You are under the sound of my voice, for example. I'm not prophesying, okay? Yeah, I can't say the Lord has said when the Lord has not said. So you're under the sound of my voice, for example, and you're having issues with your status, your immigration status. But the Lord has told you that you'll become a Canadian citizen. Is it too deep? But the Lord has told you that you'll become a Canadian citizen. Faith then tells you, regardless of how long it's going to take, through that immigration process, that citizenship status will be conferred on you. That's how God, God bless you for that anyhow. Whatever way, whatever, whichever way, it's going to happen. That was what happened to Paul. And of course, yes, if you read on to the end, you see that the Lord actually did exactly what he said he was going to do. Hallelujah. Verse number 25 says, Therefore take heart, men, for I believe God, that it will be just as it was told me. Holy Spirit, help me to help them. The Lord can give you a picture of your future in the scripture that will quell or, you know, quench every worry in your life. There are things I'm trusting God for, but rather than being bothered about the things I'm trusting God for, I'm quick to remember the things the Lord had told me. So I make my gaze on the things the Lord had told me. That if he had said it, he's going to do it. That was what Paul was saying. He says, therefore take heart, men, for I believe God, that it will be just as it was told me. If you read on verse number 33, Bible says, and as they was about to dawn, Paul implored them all, because they refused to eat. <laughs> they, they lost appetite. And as they was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the 14th day. You've waited and continued without food and eating nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival. Since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. Glory to God. <clears throat> Don't forget that. The destiny of everyone aboard that ship was preserved because of Paul. That should be the testimonies of your life. That people's destinies will be preserved huh, because of your presence you know, in their lives. Hallelujah, glory to God. 
Let's read 42 down to 44. And the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But a centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land. 44. And the rest, some on board and some on part of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped. <laughs> all of them. The ship was the only thing lost. All of them, all of them, all of them. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. Because the Lord said it. It gives you a word for the future. And one of the reasons why it does that is to calm you in the present. It gives you a word for the future such that you will not be worried about the present. Not that you do nothing about the present, but just to assure you that that future ah, is already assured. That is the secret of my life. I have seen the future through the scripture. I've seen the future in the word. And there is nothing happening in the present right now that can change that which my eyes have seen. Watch your own testimony. You know, this Sunday, as Jesus leaves, I'm going to be bringing to us a message titled, What Does the Word Say? That's a teaching nobody should miss, I tell you. What does the Word say? I'm going to emphasize a bit more on this scripture on Sunday so that you all would hear again. Paul was preserved because the Lord had said. You get it? Paul's destiny was preserved because the Lord had said. Rise up on your feet this evening. It gives you a word for the future just to protect the present. Ah, I think that's deep. Somebody say Rema. You guys, you, you see, you don't understand. You don't fully appreciate all that the Lord is doing within us here. I don't think you really, really do. It gives you a word for the future. Just to protect you for the present. So because of what he had said he's going to do, you are calm in the presence. Lift up your hands up unto heaven and just begin to give God praise. I just want you to worship him for the revelation of his word, for the revelations of his word, for the assurances he's given you about your tomorrow, for the actualization of the you, the good you you've seen in your dreams, the you wearing your, your lawyer gown that you have seen, the you becoming a doctor, the you becoming a preacher that you have seen, the you becoming a deliverer that you have seen, the you ministering to people that you have seen, the you becoming an accountant that you have seen, the you, you know, that's been prophesied into your life. Give him thanks for the revelations of his word. He gives a word for the future just so to protect you, you know, for the present. And to cast away your worries and your concerns, you know, for the present. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Because I'll be able to say that concerning, just as Paul said, that I believe God that as he has said, so is he going to do. I believe God 
that as he has said, that's what he's going to do. You are not married right now, but you've seen your children already. Why not give God thanks? Lord, thank you. You've given me a word for the future that I may not be worried because of the present. You are sick in your body right now. Why not give God praise? Because you've seen yourself already healed. So that sickness no longer matters. So that disease no longer matters. You may be struggling academically right now, but the Lord has given you a word that you're going to graduate. That's what you hold on to. He gives a word for the future to protect you and preserve you for the present. That's what he does. Give him praise. Lord, thank you for those very lofty things you've said concerning me. I know it shall be unto me according to your word. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' matchless name, we have worshipped. Amen. All eyes closed, all eyes bowed. Paul was a believer. He had accepted the lordship of Jesus. That was why he could say with all sense of certainty that I believe God that as he had said to me, give me that verse please. I believe God that as he has said to me, that's exactly what he's going to do. You've not accepted the lordship of Jesus and you're under the sound of my voice tonight. Watching online or here in the auditorium, all eyes closed and all eyes bowed. Could you please signify by the raising up of your hands? There is no shame here. I can see those hands up. Hallelujah, glory to God. And please say these prayers after me. Dear Father, I thank you for your word that has gone forth to me tonight. I repent of my sins. I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. I believe, Jesus, that you died and you rose again. Fill me with your spirit. Saturate my heart with your love. Make me yours, Lord, from this moment and even forevermore. If you've just said those prayers, I want to congratulate you tonight. Hallelujah. Celebrate Jesus. We trust God that this ministration blessed your life tremendously. Do share your testimony and experience with us by emailing us at hello at myloftyheightsglobal.org. For more life-transforming messages from our ministry, please visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also stay connected with us across our social media platforms at My Lofty Heights. To give to our ministry, please visit our website. We love you, we honor you, and we celebrate you.